Hi, I'm David Freudberg, host of Humankind. Listeners know that we explore many realms of the human journey, and some of our podcasts, including some of my favorites, delve into wisdom traditions, sometimes ancient writings or teachings that arise from a variety of backgrounds, sources that help us to focus on truths that really matter. And a lot of this boils down to connecting to something bigger than ourselves, to see that we're all part of some mysterious river of meaning, that the whole is truly greater than the sum of its parts. When I can get calm and touch that inner place of quietude, it points me homeward. Thank you. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund. Additional funding for this series has been provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the National Institutes of Health, the Annie E. Casey Foundation, and the Park Foundation. We can allow hurts and pains and disappointments to knock us down. The key is getting up. And every time you get knocked down and get up, there's that spiritual hand helping you. How cancer patients reconcile a life-threatening illness with their personal beliefs. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Many of us form our philosophies about life, nature, God, the universe, in times of quiet, comfortable reflection. But when moments of personal crisis strike, we're no longer sheltered by abstraction. What we truly believe comes to the surface. Our convictions and our traditions are tested by real-life challenges. You may be at home in the customs of classical Western religion, such as those observed at this church service. Or perhaps for you, peace is found in the practice of an Eastern path, like Buddhism. Maybe you're uncertain about religion or possibly you reject it outright. Perhaps your search for truth is scientific. You might be drawn to spirituality, but without the institutional trappings. Or maybe you find purpose and confidence in following your own personal compass. Whatever your belief system, an encounter with cancer is likely to bring the large questions of life into sharper relief. It may inspire you to dig more deeply into the puzzle of why we're here and what the mystery of human life and death really means. I've often felt that if I could prescribe faith to people, that would be one of the most um, useful things I could do as a psychiatrist. Physician Margaret Stuber of the Neuropsychiatric Institute at the University of California in Los Angeles. She believes even if a person is not religious, that trusting in the process, 
following one's own heart and feelings can be medically beneficial. Having the, the deep sense that somehow there's a purpose for everything is very calming. Um, I think really that's, that's why I've wanted to prescribe faith. I think it would be much more helpful than most of the medications I can prescribe to people uh, because most of the medications that we use in psychiatry are trying to help people to get back to an even keel, to feel calm, able to think clearly, to be able to figure out what they need to think about and what they don't because it's just worry. But you know, that's hard to do when you're feeling like you don't know what's going to come next. You feel like you have to be on guard, being hypervigilant. That kind of stance, though, is very, very hard on the body. Many people, especially in trying times, gain a measure of comfort and security from their religious convictions or belief in a higher power. But not all. Drew Madison, a psychologist in San Diego, has been diagnosed with inoperable cancer of the stomach. I wish I did have a clear uh, belief in God, and even more so, I wish I had a clear belief in some kind of afterlife. Uh, that's one thing I haven't resolved yet, but, but, but I don't. But that is something that I do want to find some, some, um, uh, some belief system, uh, some spirituality uh, that fits, that can be practical, uh, that can help me find some meaning and purpose. Some people with cancer have already found a spiritual path they resonate with. For them, serious illness can raise the stakes. It may force them to ask, where do I really place my trust, and how does that affect my daily actions? These questions took on special importance for Patrick Doherty, an international development expert who attends a Catholic church in Cambridge, Massachusetts. He was told by a physician that he had a brain tumor. She said she can't cure me using her tools that she's been trained with that they have available at the hospital, right? That there is no known cure. So you don't take that as a red light? I took that as a green light to go look for other solutions, right? And they would have to be spiritual solutions. What is the role of a patient's beliefs and hopes in facing a serious illness? Are the benefits that many people derive from faith also available to cancer patients who feel uncomfortable with religion? What are the connections between a person's attitudes and beliefs and their ability to attain physical healing? It seems to make a great deal of difference whether we believe what we're doing, whatever it may be, is going to be helpful to us. If we believe it's going to be helpful, it's far more likely to be helpful. In Washington, D.C., physician James Gordon, a Georgetown University medical professor, has directed major scientific studies examining the mind-body connection to health. We talk in medicine about the placebo effect, the belief that a pill or a treatment is going to work, that a physician or a nurse is going to be helpful, that a hospital is a prestigious and good hospital. All of those are part of the placebo effect. And we know that placebo is in many instances 
30, 40, 50, 60, 70 percent as effective as demonstrated effective treatments. And we know that any treatment in which people believe has the added benefit of the placebo effect. When testing pharmaceutical medicines, researchers go to great lengths to filter out the placebo effect, fearing it might cloud findings about the drug itself. And that suggests the mind's power, some say enormous power, to play a role in overcoming illness. So it's always crucial that people um, believe in what they're doing and feel a certain faith in the people with whom they're working. And why is it crucial? Because it makes a difference physiologically. It makes a difference in outcome regardless of what the condition is. Whether it's cancer or heart disease or depression or anxiety, if you are believing in what you're doing, you're going to do better. Now, exactly how that works, how much it has to do with lowering levels of stress or endorphins or immune response or or anything else, we don't really know. We're just at the beginning of understanding how that may work. But it's crucial. As science unravels the mystery of how thoughts can influence our health, cancer patients may wonder if they cause their own illness by some kind of unhealthy thinking. This can lead to an unproductive bout of self-blame that can drain people at a time when they need their strength. Some patients even feel guilty for experiencing normal distress during illness. The healthiest approach, say experts, is to face your feelings gently and to try to move forward with a positive perspective. And so when it comes to cancer, it's very important that there be a congruence between the treatment that's being offered and the beliefs and the faith and the hope and the confidence of the person who's coming for treatment. Because otherwise you're working at not only psychological but biological cross-purposes. It's also important that you be working with a physician or clinician or meditation teacher or whom you believe in, whom you feel good about. I just have seen clinically over the years the difference between people who work with an oncologist whom they like and believe in and those who are working with somebody who either they feel they have to work with or who's a good technician but they don't like him. It's a huge difference in the way people feel. So I think it's very important for that congruence to be there. Does it affect the course of their cancer? I think that we don't know. What we do know, though, from some of the studies that have been done, particularly over the years on lung cancer, is that those people who believe they're doing better actually do seem to do better. You are likely to have a better long-term outcome. Meaning live longer? Meaning live longer. There are also the studies that have been done by Stephen Greer and his colleagues in England over the last 25 years. Those are the original studies on fighting spirit in women with breast cancer. And what seems to be clearer over the years, it is the distinction is not so much that people with a fighting spirit do better, but the people who feel helpless and hopeless do worse. And that doing worse not only means in terms of quality of life, but they are less likely to live longer. Now, this is just one kind of cancer, uh, advanced stage breast cancer in women. But I think the findings are important. was born into a family of believers, a family that said, 
life keeps throwing you lemons, you better make a big bucket, not a pitcher, a bucket of lemonade. Life throws you bricks, start building you a house. Life is throwing you wrenches, the kitchen sink, whatever. My mom would say, melt that stuff down and build whatever you need. Gwendolyn Collins from Boston has become an expert at producing lemonade. An ordained minister with doctorates in psychology and sociology, she has survived three cancers, possibly linked to an anti-miscarriage drug her mother took while pregnant in the 1950s. Part of the lemonade Reverend Collins serves up is her dedication to counseling other cancer patients. A mother of seven, she also keeps busy with a full house of active children and grandchildren. I was a very sickly child, born prematurely, with my parents being told that I probably wouldn't make it to my second birthday. And looking back at ancient times and what the various um, people of God had to endure, and I feel that just part of life. If we have everything going fantastic, never have a sickness, never have a day when our money's not flowing, never have a day when we say, oh, God, help me. You take it for granted, and you become selfish and self-centered. So you need some rain. Unfortunately, I have a lot of rain, but rain with the sunshine. So you can appreciate when the sun comes back. You say you have a lot of rain? A lot of rain. For you, does that mean a lot of pain? Pain. Um, pain, yes. Intense pain. What attitudes deriving from your faith experience do you bring to illness in general? What, what tools does that give you? How do you reconcile your faith in God with these difficult experiences you've been handed? Well, I take it as picking up my heavy cross. My cross just happens to be heavier than most people. But then again, the Lord said, um, to whom much is given, much is required. I've been given life over and over and over again throughout the years. My parents, my family, siblings have been called to the hospital. She's not going to live through the night. And, okay, I'm still kicking. (laughs) That's what keeps me going. Clearly, belief in God has provided Gwendolyn Collins with a foundation of personal strength while battling illness. But people who are uncomfortable with religious faith, like Drew Madison in San Diego, must look elsewhere for sources of support in their moment of need. It is very difficult, and I'm in the, I'm in the middle of sorting that out. But I'll give some examples. I have lots of uh, nephews and nieces, and one of my nephews, actually my namesake, is in the Marine Corps. He's 25 years old. He's finishing his training. Uh, he's going to move uh, close to San Diego where I have a, a vacation home. And I really want to step up to the plate, if you will, in being the best uncle I can, helping him get an apartment, maybe paying part of it, uh, regularly checking in with him to... 
uh, very honestly, tell him how proud our family is of him and his work. That, that's one area that, uh, that um, is, is really uh, helping me provide some, some meaning, some belief. Connection with people that we love. Connection with people that we love has been tremendously powerful for me. Uh, I didn't anticipate how powerful it would be. Uh, reconnecting with, uh, with my brothers and sisters in a, in a way that is, is just beyond words. They, they know me after all these years, and when they come and visit, their love for me, their being there for me, it's tremendous. Sometimes the only thing that helps a situation is time. Marion Groden, a writer and comedian in New York. She's a breast cancer survivor who, in addition, recently underwent a marital breakup. How profound that is, that you can't quicken or speed up your process of healing or grieving or suffering or recovering. You know, now I'm almost a year out from my separation, and not to say, like, I'm so, so happy, but I'm in a very different space than I was when I was newly diagnosed with cancer or when I was newly separated. So I think that time is very profound. And sometimes I try to help myself by saying, it's a little trick I have, okay, this just happened and you're in the sting of the immediacy of it, but time is going to occur. And time is like something that moves you away from it and that will lessen it, but you can't quicken that. So hard to be patient. Yeah, and so hard, and that comes back to faith. Just having the faith that if you hang in there, things will somehow be shifted and lifted. You're listening to Humankind. For more information on cancer survival, visit humanmedia.org. When patients center and when they become meditative and quiet and prayerful, it's now known that that causes a, uh, a variety of healthy bodily changes. Abiding in peaceful reflection can be therapeutic, both mentally and physically. Physician Larry Dossey, based in Santa Fe, New Mexico, is author of Prayer is Good Medicine. The body seems to adore prayer. For example, if we enter a state of quiet, the blood pressure comes down, the heart rate drops. If you do this often enough, the blood cholesterol level will even fall. There is a lot of evidence to show that people who engage in religious devotional practice, which almost always in our culture includes some sort of prayer, these people in general live longer on average. They go to the doctor less often. They spend fewer health care dollars, and they're healthier in general. In times of illness, especially when the illness is dire, Many believers heighten their reliance on the healing powers of prayer. For Reverend Gwen Collins, it's like going inside for refuge in a storm. When you've been in the really difficult moments of your battle with cancer, have there been times when you felt you had to just turn it over to God? All the time. Can you explain what that is? When you have been giving a diagnosis that says these are the fats, you're in stage three, 
that's not good, you know. And saying, okay, what are you guys going to do? And, you know, they would outline and so forth. The medical and, team. Yes. And me saying, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm looking to you. Father, I'm looking to you. So I don't know what else to do. It's just where you ultimately go when there's nowhere left to go. Marion Groden. For me, it always comes back to working on a relationship with God because life is just too hard, is the bottom line. I, I am a big fan of Hammer, MC Hammer, whatever he's calling himself. I actually really am a fan of his. And he had a great song out years ago called um, Pray, and the lyric was, you know, you got to pray just to make it today. And it's true. It's true. It's like I think life is so difficult that to try to get through anything much less cancer, piloted only by self-will, it's too limited. So I had to really go to my higher power with my fear and my anxiety and my devastation. And, you know, like I say, you get to a point where as much as you can talk to another human or, you know, you can, you know, eat a pint of ice cream or, you know, you can watch a movie, there's a place inside that is untouchable. Retreating to that safe haven of inner strength is a way for sick people to refresh their perspective and renew their vitality while waging a battle for health. I've been angry with the disease. Oh, yes. I call it the beast. I've been angry with people, but I've never been angry with God. And I know that's rare. And in speaking with my professional colleagues, they've told me that that was rare, that Usually people get very angry with God. So on the darkest days, when you're most racked in pain, you can remain unangry at God. I have been on my bed many times, languishing in pain, so much pain that my mind is shifting in and out. I'm seeing you, but I'm not seeing you. I'm hearing you, but everything's jammed. And the only thing is to keep saying, I'm God's property. I'm a handmaid in Christ. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. Um, Being wheeled into the surgical unit and being told, you know you might not come through this. And saying again, I'm God's property. I'm a handmaid of Christ. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. Physician Harold Koenig studies the connection between spirituality and health at Duke University Medical Center in Durham, North Carolina. The idea of how do you turn over your problems to God? How do you do that? And you'll find yourself, you know, just just not, this is something hard to do. This is not something easy to do. This is very, very difficult. And what is it that the cancer patient is turning over to the care of God? They're turning the control of the situation. 
They're turning the control over what's going to happen to them over to God, believing that no matter what happens, that God is in control and the person's best interests will be served by God. It's like being in an airplane. You're just not in control when that airplane is flying along. You're in turbulence. You can't do anything. And really, the only thing you can do is to say, you know, no, my fate is not determined by this illness or by the doctors or by anything else. My fate as a child of God is determined by God alone. And because I trust that God has all of the knowledge, more knowledge than I do, to deal with this situation and all the power in the universe to do so, I'm giving it to God to control it. And I'm just not going to worry about this. Now, what happens if a person of faith takes that step wholeheartedly, steadily turns over control of the situation to a higher power, and the situation doesn't improve? Maybe even a person's cancer gets worse. Most of the time, the illness is not going to get any better. We're not, we're not talking about having a cure of your cancer by turning it over to God. We're talking about being able to cope with whatever happens, with whatever one has to face. Did you have trouble with whether God was abandoning you? Did you have I'm a cri sure, crisis of faith? I'm sure, I dealt with that way before cancer. I mean, I, I struggle with that all the time. Marion Groden. I struggle with my, my relationship with a higher power all the time, but I'm in that struggle. I don't ever completely leave that struggle. And how did your cancer superimpose onto that struggle? Uh, well, you know, it just, it just, you know, I needed God more. I needed God more. I needed more reliance on a higher power. And I, but you know, not to make it sound simplistic or Pollyanna, because it's not. It's a really messy process. I mean, I also felt like this is bullshit, like rage, incredible, like what the, you know, I've gone through three miscarriages, I, you know, all this stuff. And now I've got cancer. Like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, you've got to be kidding me. Like, what's going to happen next? I mean, that was my joke for a long time. It's just like there are going to be, like, locusts and frogs falling out of the sky, and then there's going to be, like, a tornado. My arm's going to fall off. I'm going to start bleeding from my eye. Like, what's, you know, it's unbelievable. But again, there was humor in that, and ultimately, I, you know, I don't pretend to, and I don't think anyone can say they understand how a higher power is working or what it all means, you just do the best you can, and you get soothing and help where you can, whether it's a church or a temple or sitting with a friend, you know, is a sense of a higher power, along with, you know, a bird flying outside your window and trees growing and babies being born and, you know, all of that stuff. If people use cancer not only as a challenge but also as an opportunity, then they open themselves to life-changing uh, and spiritually enriching experience. Physician James Gordon directs the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Washington, D.C. I, I must have heard 
a thousand times, and I mean that quite literally, I would not wish to have had cancer, and it has been the most important experience of my life. And that meaning often leads to a connection with something larger than oneself. God, higher power, nature, the universe, whatever they call it, whatever they experience it as, I want to help them open to that experience. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Steve Colby. Editorial assistance from Thomas Royal. Medical oncologist, Dr. Leo Stolbach. We also had help from Brian Johnson, Tony Buck, Bill Wangren, Harriet Berman, Kathy Graham, David McJunkin, Michael Cronin, and Celeste Headley. Special thanks to Cambridge Zen Center, St. Paul's AME Church, and St. Mary's Church. Additional music from the CD Ayurveda, Art of Being, by Rasa Music. Our program is presented by Human Media. Program development and support provided by Shart Media. To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-L-I-S-T-E-N. Or visit our website where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org. That's humanmedia.org. Again, if you'd like to purchase a CD copy of Humankind by phone, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN, and our web address is humanmedia.org. This segment, part one of The Power of Belief, is Humankind program number 97. The executive producer is David Freudberg. This is Humankind. To hear more episodes of Humankind, you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast player. A new episode each week. The podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you enjoy this program, be sure to leave us a kind review at iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to support the program, please visit humanmedia.org. And at the top of the homepage, click on How You Can Help. Again, our web address is humanmedia.org. Thanks.